Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Jake Jacobs about overcoming change fatigue and the concept of start with impact, follow the energy. Jake Jacobs, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks so much, Jonathan. I'm pleased to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation today, and it was fun chatting and getting to know you a little bit in the pre-interview. Today, we're going to be focusing on change fatigue within organizations and what change leaders and really any leader within an organization can help um, can do to help an organization uh, adapt and evolve uh, more smoothly and seamlessly. Uh, and one specific term that you talk about that I, I find I found really intriguing that I want to zoom in on is this idea of starting with impact, following the energy. So we're going to do that in our conversation today. As we get started, I wanted to share Jake's bio with everybody. Jake asks the question, why do some organizations work and others don't? He's been curious about that question since his first real job on the assembly line of an ice cream novelty manufacturing plant and his second tending bar in college. As a pioneer in the field of large group interventions, Jake Jacobs has continued his discoveries about better ways for people and organizations to change. His consulting, writing, and teaching have all helped him continue in answering that question. He's worked with some of the largest corporations in the world, including American Express, Corning, Ford, the Home Depot, Marriott, among others. He has also supported major change efforts with the city of New York, the U.S. National Forest Service, and the Environmental Protection Agency, and the United Kingdom's National Health and Employment Services. Writing has been a great way for him to get clear about what he believes in and how he works. In addition to regular postings on his blog, he's written articles for strategy and leadership, executive excellence, leader to leader, strategic HR review, the OD practitioner, consulting to manage, and has been featured in the Huffington Post and in Inc. Magazine. A tremendous career. You're, you're making so many wonderful contributions. It is a real pleasure to have you on the podcast today. And uh, before we really launch into the conversation, is there anything else you would like to share by way of background or personal context with listeners? Yeah, sure. I think, Jonathan, that the easiest thing for your listeners to connect to is that my clients, the people that I work with and focus on helping are ones who are frustrated in some way with the results they're achieving in their change work. Um, They could be too slow, too hard, or too often disappointing. And if that is the answer to your question of who am I out there listening, then this podcast ought to be a good one for you. Excellent. Excellent. And you know, that's really my passion, how I got into this space 
was really by chance. I, I was an accounting major at the time in my undergrad um, years, and I had lived abroad in South Korea for a time. And I was, so I was minoring in Korean and I happened, um, you know, to just walk into my Korean class uh, one day, kind of a little reprieve from my, all of my accounting courses. My Korean professor said, Hey, who would like to go back to Korea for an internship this summer? And so my hand shot up. I said, yes. Uh, I thought I didn't even know what the company was or what I'd be doing. Uh, It turned out I ended up in the organizational development office, the corporate office of, uh, LG Electronics in South Korea. And that was enough to cure me of any desire to be an accountant. And following that summer internship, I came back, I switched my major, uh, and I I got on an entirely new trajectory uh, for my life and for my career. And I'm so glad I did. It was was one of those serendipitous kind of life moments. uh, And I'm I'm grateful for that opportunity. And as time has gone on, you know, just the, the work that I do, the research, the writing, and the consulting work that I do, is so much focused on on change management and and organizational development, and it's so needed in, in organizations today. I, I don't know of a single organization that doesn't have some need in this area, and yet almost every organization that has change initiatives underway, you know, so many of them fail, so many so many of them fail to stick, and there's just so much that stalling the efforts uh, of good people doing their best, but, but, um, you know, beating, and they end up beating their head against the wall and not being able to drive the change that they want. Yeah. And I think Jonathan, they're well-intentioned efforts, um, from the top middle and bottom of organizations. Um, you, you know, if, if you're on the front lines, you can look up and, and say, you know, what are they thinking? You know, do they have their head in the clouds? And if you're up, uh, top of the organization, you're looking down and saying, you know, why is it? that these people don't get it, that we need to bring about these uh, significant changes. So this book that I have written called Leverage Change, Eight Ways to Achieve Faster, Easier, Better Results, has um, eight levers or strategies in them to address these issues. And just this notion about um, the top, bottom, and middle, one of the levers is called Create a Common Database. And it's really about how you can have people in the entire organization smart enough to make good decisions, good aligned creative decisions. And and I believe that with the right information, you can give a lot of freedom to people in organizations. Um, If I have the right context and the same one that others in the organization do, one of my early mentors said, you know, reasonable people come up with reasonably the same conclusions given the same information. And so I think that that sharing of information, somebody uh, has often said, you know, information is power, right, in organizations. And, and I agree with that. And I think it should be shared widely, which is an untypical uh, uh, response. The sharing this information broadly makes everybody smarter. And then you get alignment on a daily basis without having to put control mechanisms in place. It's people understand strategies. They understand where the organization's going and they can align their own behavior in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. And alignment is really the key. And one of the, you know, the biggest challenges that we face is change fatigue within organizations. And and in large part, that's due to the pace of change. Um, You know, man, we we just live in an ever-changing, ever-evolving world. And I don't see the pace of change slowing down anytime soon. So, and I'm not just talking about organizational change, we're just societal change, um, disruptive technologies, shifts in the nature of work, uh, the 
interconnected global marketplace and virtual work during a pandemic, like all these things, right? They, they are, it's just rapid pace of change. And then of course, organizations find themselves in the same situation where they needing to adopt and adapt to disruptive technologies. They're trying to improve systems. They're trying to figure out how to engage, uh, a diversified and distributed workforce and on and on and on and on. And there's all these difficult things. The pace of change is really difficult to, to deal with. What is something that you do when you're working with your clients to think about change fatigue, the pace of change and how they can start to um, be effective given those constraints? Sure. So, so Jonathan, um, most consultants, if not all of them, and theorists, people who've written books, given speeches, when they talk about organizational change, they talk about change. I mean, it makes sense, right? Isn't that what we're focused on? Um, I take a different tack. And so in addition to talking about change, I also talk about what not to change. I think that it's equally important to understand what we need to continue doing the way we have in the past. So part of this change fatigue that organizations suffer from, I think, is because they're not paying enough attention to continuity. So I had a client that I worked with um, some time back, and there was a team designing what their change process was going to look like. And um, there was a guy, Joe, who, who... refused to come in the door. I mean, literally had two feet outside the change effort. I mean, he would not enter. We asked him nicely. No, he was fine where he was and, uh, and stood through the whole morning. I mean, we had a whole meeting with this guy standing in the doorway. We would go around the circle and ask if he had anything to add. And he said, no. And at lunch, he came down, sat next to me. And I asked him how the morning had gone. I mean, I was really curious about this person Um, what had happened in their past, what they had seen. And he said, you know, I'm going to sit at the table this afternoon. And I said, well, that, you know, that's great. That's a step in the right direction. I said, why? And he said, well, you know, I've seen a lot of people come through here trying to change and the executives talking about what to change. He said, and this is the first time that anybody's really asked us, what have we done well? What do we need to keep doing that we've already done? What kind of changes have we made in the past that have worked? And why have those been successful? And so this whole notion of continuity, there's a lever that says, pay attention to continuity. So when you're suffering from change fatigue, the the answer is not go deeper into it and bring more change on people and talk about it more. And it's sort of like, you know, I say Americans on street corners in foreign countries, when they don't understand us, we, we try and do two things. And I can say it, I'm an American and I've done it myself. So, you know, there you have it. But we'll either speak louder, in which case we think they're not understanding, you know, because they can't hear us. Or the other alternative is we will speak slower because the problem must be they don't understand us. Well, the problem is we're not speaking to them in their own language. And it doesn't matter how fast or loud we speak. It's not about that. And so when we talk about change, and that's what we focus on, people have a fear and anxiety about it. And my experience has been when we focus on continuity, people have what I say is a firmer ground to take a step off and a leap into the unknown because they know what they're on is solid ground. And I think this notion of paying attention to continuity, it's the first chapter in the book because I think it's one of the most important ones to pay attention to.
I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. It, it's interesting as you as you were mentioning the continuity piece. It doesn't change the fact that there's stuff swirling around, changing all the time around us, and we still need to be adaptive. But what I'm hearing, and, and you can respond to this, but what I'm hearing is we got to be choosy and selective about what our focus is going to be on in terms of change initiatives within the organization. And we can't allow the constant swirling to take place uh, within our teams, within our organizational settings. Uh, so much of the change initiatives that I see organizations trying to do and the failures that emerge from those is, is they're chasing fads. They're, they're going after whatever the latest flavor is, as opposed to really doing the long-term work, you know, to drive sustainable change by picking a course, sticking to it, uh, doing the research and the internal work that's necessary to understand how it's impacting the organization and its people. And that's a different type of change than we're, when we're on the constant conveyor, the revolving door that, you know, the constant change, you know, we do need to think about continuity. We need to avoid fad change efforts like the plague, I think, um, because it undermines trust. It increases fatigue uh, and it usually doesn't work anyways. And it just wastes time and resources. Um, it disengages people. But when we're focused on long-term change, then people can start, they have time to start to see the impact that it's having. They can start to see why it's beneficial to them and their jobs and to the organization, the success of the organization. And, you know, the best change initiatives have to have a long-term perspective. Yeah. And, you know, I was working with a group in our, uh, we have a group consultation program where um, you can get a, a leadership team actually working together on a particular change effort through this program. And the group that I was working with, they decided that they wanted to establish a vision for themselves as a leadership team, just so that they could understand what are we all trying to create and then extend that out to the rest of the organization. And what we did is we invited people in the organization to give us their thinking. And we held meetings where people could come together and talk about what did they see happening in the company? What did they see happening in the environment? 
environment? And what did they believe the right direction was for the future? What should the mission be? What's your picture of success 10 years out? Of what the core value should be. And the kind of change that you're talking about, Jonathan, I think is deep change. It's change around what this direction and this vision needs to look like. And even when you're making changes, if they're not the fad, if they're just reasonable changes that should be made, there are ways that you can frame these around the vision, mission, and values so that that lasting change that you're trying to create, the kind of culture that you're trying to create in the organization you change in ways that are in line with that culture and that vision and mission and values. And so you'll find that even when you're making changes, going back to those touchstones that you say are important, you know, if they're important, don't put them just up on the wall. I mean, yeah, okay, put them on the wall, but do a lot more than that. Make them part of how you're doing business. And when you're changing is when people are paying attention to how things are getting done. And if you say that you're going to be a participative organization like this one did, when they go out and they say, look, we want your input. We sincerely want to hear from you. And they made changes. I mean, I was at the executive team meeting when they were debating between one way or another way, how to put this value and describe it. And um, one of the leaders said, well, the people told us it should be this way. So why are we arguing about it? And Everybody kind of step back, you know, because sometimes you just get engaged in the argument and, and you get carried away. I've been in groups where I say, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, how important is this conversation that you're in right now? And guys, you know, lady, man, look at each other and they go, well, it's a, sheepishly, it's about a two. But, but it was a really engaging conversation. So these were in a pitched battle and somebody said, wait a minute, what are the people telling us? And they went back to the data from these meetings and they found there's a very clear message about what the answer should be regarding this particular value. And so if you're going to listen, even when you're making these long-term changes, if you're going to listen, then do it. And then you don't need to talk about being a participative organization anymore. You are one. So, so let's talk a little bit more about this idea. I, I found it really intriguing in uh, your strategy. You call let the your strategies levers and you talk about this idea of start with impact follow the energy can you yeah. describe more about that for listeners because I, I was really intrigued by that sure so um each of these levers actually deals with a common problem that organizations bump up against when they're trying to change and so the the, the problem that this lever deals with is the the sort of command that all change efforts must start from the top and, you know, you pick up any book and they're like, you got to have senior leader support and the executive team needs to be committed to this. And, you know, sometimes that's not reality. It's just not the case. And so the question is not for me to start at the top and cascade down because that's just trying to follow a cookbook. And maybe that recipe is not what you want to eat for dinner, so to speak, right? So in this case, start with impact says, step back from the organization and look, where can you make a difference? Because where you can make a difference is where you're going to achieve results and where you're going to achieve results is what's going to draw attention. So, so there's proof positive. My marketing people, friends of mine talk about proof points and they're like, where can you go to say this is for real? So starting with impact has you step back. Here's a story of a, a client. They ended up getting written up in Business Week and Fortune. 
So it's a good success story. It was a telecom. And the situation was I got a phone call from somebody in their training and development organization. There's a 10,000 person organization. They just laid off a thousand people. And they said, we want to have a problem solving event to try and stem the tide. And I said, well, like how many people are coming to this event? And they said 80. I said, so you're going to have 80 people try and do some problem solving and you just laid off a thousand. And they said, yep. Now, most people in their right minds would probably hang up, run the other direction or something other than what I did, which is I took the job. And I went there and I met with the leaders of that part of the organization. And they said, well, we understand you're a little disappointed. There aren't enough people showing up. And I said, well, I don't know about my disappointment. I said, but I'm not sure you're going to achieve the objectives you have of trying to turn this company around with 80 people getting together. And, and one event was not going to do the, uh, uh, make a difference either. But when I came back, they had 300 people in the room. And we did a good day's work. And we came up with some ideas that would make a contribution, impact. The leader, the CEO of the company showed up at the end of the meeting. We got a video. I can still see him saying it, standing up in front of the room and mouthing the word, wow, because he'd never seen 300 people work interactively, roll up the sleeves session and actually make decisions that were going to improve the business. Now, that was the start of a two-year effort. Now, the first thing they said was once they saw 300, they said, well, can we put 10,000 in the civic center and dip them all at once? And I was like, well, I, first of all, dipping them doesn't sound like they're humans. It sounds like they're <laughs> sheep. So that, that's probably not a good start. I said, but what we need to do is engage these people in some meaningful work. They had, I have expertise in working with large groups. So there was a 500-person session where they got their mission, vision, and values clear and got feedback in real time. So overnight, they came back with the feedback they'd gotten and what they decided. And then they had another event with even more people of 800 to say, how do we make these real day-to-day in the organization so that they become part of the way we do business? Now, this organization was a sleeping giant. They had not had deregulation. They had become complacent with their customers. Um, This lit a fire under them. And they did, they had something they put in place. They called it the 24-hour rule. And when a competitor made a move, they needed to make a counter move within one day. 24 hours on the clock. This was very different than the way they used to do business, which was we're going to provide service and you're going to buy it. So this whole notion of start with impact is that's where we had a possibility. And follow the energy is equally important because what that says is where do people want to do the work? Where are they ready, able, and excited and committed to doing important change work, and then go there next, and then follow the next piece. And I've worked in organizations where, you know, it doesn't look, in retrospect, it looks really smart. They have done what we've done and moved where we moved and did the next piece of work here and there. But in the moment, what we were doing was following what the organization was telling us. It's not about getting something off the shelf and following it because I wrote a book about it or because somebody gave a speech about it. 
I don't believe that that's there. There's wisdom that you can get from that. There's some good ideas, but at the end of the day, one of the levers says design it yourself, come up with your own purpose, your own outcomes, your own roadmap, and then it becomes your own change effort. So rather than saying, you know, has this ever worked in our organization or our industry or our size, or it's going to work because it's yours because you've shaped it and you have ownership over it. So the start with impact, follow the energy is sort of the antidote to we've got to start at the top and cascade down from there. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Jake, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, Your insights into change management within organizations, I think, is spot on. Uh, It's it's consistent with my experience and uh, not only the practitioner experience in consulting work that I've done, but also the research that I conduct on an ongoing basis. And I really encourage listeners to reach out and get connected with you. Uh, The time has flown by. We're about out of time for today. But before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners a little bit more about how they can get connected with you. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about your book uh, and anything else you want to say by way of final word on the topic for today. Sure. So what what I invite your listeners to do um, is, is to take value, not just from what we've said, but immediate impact from these levers. And what I have is if you go to jakejacobsconsulting.com, which is my website, uh, there's a free gift that's called 27 Ways to Achieve Faster, Easier, Better Results Immediately. And these are specific tasks that you can take out tomorrow morning, this afternoon, if you go grab it, and you can put the work for you immediately so that it's not about waiting. I think that that people think that change has to take years and millions of dollars and all kinds of time, I think change can happen immediately if you seize the moment. And if you look for the opportunities and what this um, ebook says is specific things that you can do that will make a difference. So, you know, the book is going to give you a lot more detail and it's available on Amazon, uh, Leverage Change, Eight Ways to Achieve Faster, Easier, Better Results. Um, and that will give you a good primer into the into the details of uh, case studies. There's 44 stories in it about individuals, teams, and organizations that have used this approach and gained advantage from it. And if you want immediate impact, go to the website, grab that ebook, and put it to work. Wonderful. Thank you, Jake. Again, I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, check out his book, check out uh, what he can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe 
and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.